0: Part One of Chapter One of The Italian. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marty Chris. The Italian by Anne Radcliffe. Chapter One, Part One. What is this secret sin, this untold tale that art cannot extract, nor penance cleanse? MYSTERIOUS MOTHER. It was in the church of San Lorenzo at Naples in the year 1758 that Vincenzo di Vivaldi first saw Eleanor Rosalba. The sweetness and fine expression of her voice attracted his attention to her figure, which had a distinguished air of delicacy and grace, but her face was concealed in her veil so much indeed was he fascinated by the voice that a most painful curiosity was excited as to her countenance which he fancied must express all the sensibility of character that the modulation of her tones indicated he listened to their exquisite expression with a rapt attention and hardly withdrew his eyes from her person till the matin service had concluded when he observed her leave the church with an aged lady who leaned upon her arm and who appeared to be her mother vivaldi immediately followed their steps determined to obtain if possible a view of elena's face and to discover the home to which she should retire they walked quickly looking neither to the right or left and as they turned into the strada di toledo he had nearly lost them but quickening his pace and relinquishing the cautious distance he had hitherto kept he overtook them as they entered on the terrazzo nuovo which runs along the bay of naples and leads towards the gran he overtook them but the fair unknown still held her veil close and he knew not how to introduce himself to her notice or to obtain a view of the features which excited his curiosity he was embarrassed by a respectful timidity that mingled with his admiration and which kept him silent notwithstanding his wish to speak in descending the last steps of the terrazzo however the foot of the elder lady faltered and while Vivaldi hastened to assist her the breeze from the water caught the veil which elena had no longer a hand sufficiently disengaged to confine and wafting it partially aside disclosed to him a countenance more touchingly beautiful than he had dared to image her features were of the grecian outline and though they expressed the tranquillity of an elegant mind her dark blue eyes sparkled with intelligence she was assisting her companion so anxiously that she did not immediately observe the admiration she had inspired but the moment her eyes met those of vivaldi she became conscious of their effect and she hastily drew her veil the old lady was not materially hurt by her fall but as she walked difficultly vivaldi seized the opportunity thus offered and insisted that she should accept his arm she refused this with many acknowledgments but he pressed the offer so repeatedly and respectfully that at length she accepted it, and they walked toward her residence together. On the way thither he attempted to converse with Elena, but her replies were concise, and he arrived at the end of the walk while he was yet considering what he could say that might interest and withdraw her from this severe reserve. From the style of their residence he imagined that they were persons of honorable but moderate independence. The house was small, but it exhibited an air of comfort and even of taste. It stood on an eminence surrounded by a garden and vineyards which commanded the city and bay of Naples an ever-moving picture, and was canopied by a thick grove of pines and majestic day-trees, and though the little portico and colonnade in front were of common marble, the style of architecture was elegant while they afforded a shelter from the sun they admitted the cooling breezes that rose from the bay below and a prospect of the whole scope of its enchanting shores vivaldi stopped at the little gate which led into the garden where the elder lady repeated her acknowledgments for his care but did not invite him to enter and he trembling with anxiety and sinking with disappointment remained for a moment gazing upon elena unable to take leave yet irresolute what to say that might prolong the interview till the old lady again bade him good day he then summoned courage enough to request he might be allowed to inquire after her health and having obtained her permission his eyes bade adieu to elena who as they were parting ventured to thank him for the care he had taken of her aunt the sound of her voice and this acknowledgment of obligation made him less willing to go than before but at length he tore himself away the beauty of her countenance haunting his imagination and the touching accents of her voice still vibrating on his heart he descended to the shore below her residence pleasing himself with the consciousness of being near her though he could no longer behold her and sometimes hoping that he might see her again however distantly in a balcony of the house where the silk awning seemed to invite the breeze from the sea he lingered hour after hour stretched beneath the umbrageous pines that waved over the shore or transversing regardless of the heat the base of the cliffs that crowned it, recalling to his fancy the enchantment of her smile, and seeming still to listen to the sweetness of her accents. In the evening he returned to his father's palace at Naples, thoughtful yet pleased, anxious yet happy, dwelling with delightful hope on the remembrance of the thanks he had received from Elena, yet not daring to form any plan as to his future conduct he returned time enough to attend his mother in her evening ride on the corso where in every gay carriage that passed he hoped to see the object of his constant thought but she did not appear his mother the marchesa di vivaldi observed his anxiety with unusual silence and asked him some questions which she meant should lead to an explanation of the change in his manners but his replies only excited a stronger curiosity and though she forbore to press her inquiries it was probable that she might employ a more artful means of renewing them. Vincenzo di Vivaldi was the only son of the Marchese di Vivaldi, a nobleman of one of the most ancient families of the kingdom of Naples, a favorite possessing an uncommon share of influence at court, and a man still higher in power than in rank. His pride of birth was equal to either, but it was mingled with the justifiable pride of a principled mind it governed his conduct in morals as well as in the jealousy of ceremonial distinctions and elevated his practice as well as his claims his pride was at once his vice and his virtue his safeguard and his weakness the mother of vivaldi descended from a family as ancient as that of his father was equally jealous of her importance but her pride was that of birth and distinction without extending to morals She was of violent passions, haughty, vindictive, yet crafty and deceitful, patient in stratagem and indefatigable in pursuit of vengeance on the unhappy objects who provoked her resentment. She loved her son rather as being the last of two illustrious houses who was to reunite and support the honor of both than with the fondness of a mother. Vincenzo inherited much of the character of his father and very little of that of his mother his pride was as noble and generous as that of the marchese but he had somewhat the fiery passions of the marchesa without any of her craft her duplicity or vindictive thirst of revenge frank in his temper ingenuous in his sentiments quickly offended but easily appeased irritated by any appearance of disrespect but melted by a concession a high sense of honor rendered him no more jealous of offense than a delicate humanity made him ready for reconciliation and anxious to spare the feelings of others on the day following that on which he had seen elena he returned to the villa altieri to use the permission granted him of inquiring after the health of signora bianchi the expectation of seeing elena agitated him with impatient joy and trembling hope which still increased as he approached her residence till having reached the garden gate he was obliged to rest for a few moments to recover breath and composure having announced himself to an old female servant who came to the gate he was soon after admitted to a small vestibule where he found signora bianchi winding balls of silk and alone though from the position of a chair which stood near a frame for embroidery he judged that elena had but just quitted the apartment signora bianchi received him with a reserved politeness and seemed very cautious in her replies to his inquiries after her niece who he hoped every moment would appear he lengthened his visit till there was no longer an excuse for doing so till he had exhausted every topic of conversation and till the silence of signori bianchi seemed to hint that his departure was expected With a heart saddened by disappointment, and having obtained only a reluctant permission to inquire after the health of that lady on some future day, he then took leave. On his way through the garden he often paused to look back upon the house, hoping to obtain a glimpse of Elena at the lattice, and threw a glance around him, almost expecting to see her seated beneath the shade of the luxuriant plantains, but his search was everywhere vain, and he quitted the place with the slow and heavy step of despondency. The day was employed with endeavours to obtain intelligence concerning the family of Elena, but of this he procured little that was satisfactory. He was told that she was an orphan, living under the care of her aunt, Signora Bianchi, that her family, which had never been illustrious, was decayed in fortune, and that her only dependence was upon this aunt but he was ignorant of what was very true though very secret that she assisted to support this aged relative whose sole property was the small estate on which they lived and that she passed whole days of embroidering silks which were disposed of to the nuns of the neighboring convent who sold them to the neapolitan ladies that visited their great at a very high advantage he little thought that a beautiful robe which he had often seen his mother wear was worked by elena nor that some copies from the antique which ornamented a cabinet of the Vivaldi Palace were drawn by her hand. If he had known these circumstances, they would only have served to increase the passion which they were proofs of a disparity of fortune that would certainly render his family repugnant to a connection with hers. It would have been prudent to discourage. Elena could have endured poverty, but not contempt and it was to protect herself from this effect of the narrow prejudices of the world around her that she had so cautiously concealed it from a knowledge of the industry which did honour to her character she was not ashamed of poverty or of the industry which overcame it but her spirit shrunk from the senseless smile and humiliating condescension which prosperity sometimes gives to indigence her mind was not yet strong enough or her views sufficiently enlarged to teach her a contempt of the sneer of vicious folly and to glory in the dignity of virtuous independence elena was the sole support of her aunt's declining years was patient to her infirmities and consoling to her sufferings and repaid the fondness of a mother with the affection of a daughter her mother she had never known having lost her while she was an infant and from that period signora bianchi had performed the duties of one for her thus innocent and happy in the silent performance of her duties and in the vale of retirement lived elena rosalba when she first saw vincenzo di vivaldi he was not of a figure to pass unobserved when seen and Eleanor had been struck by the spirit and dignity of his air and by his countenance, so frank, noble, and full of that kind of expression which announces the energies of the soul. But she was cautious of admitting a sentiment more tender than admiration, and endeavored to dismiss his image from her mind, and by engaging in her usual occupations, to recover the state of tranquillity which his appearance had somewhat interrupted." Vivaldi, meanwhile restless from disappointment, and impatient from anxiety, having passed the greater part of the day in inquiries which repaid him only with doubt and apprehension, determined to return to the Villa Altieri when evening should conceal his steps, consoled by the certainty of being near the object of his thoughts, and hoping that chance might favor him once more with a view, however transient, of Elena." The Marchesa Vivaldi held an assembly this evening, and a suspicion concerning the impatience he betrayed induced her to detain him about her person to a late hour, engaging him to select the music for her orchestra, and to superintend the performance of a new piece, the work of a composer whom she had brought into fashion. Her assemblies were among the most brilliant and crowded in Naples, and the nobility who were to be at the palace this evening. Were divided into two parties as to the merits of the musical genius whom she patronized and those of another candidate for fame the performance of the evening it was expected would finally decide the victory this therefore was a night of great importance and anxiety to the marchesa for she was as jealous of the reputation of her favorite composer as of her own and the welfare of her son did not slightly divide her cares The moment he could depart unobserved, he quitted the assembly, and muffling himself in his cloak, hastened to the Villa Altieri, which lay a short distance to the west of the city. He reached it unobserved, and breathless with impatience traversed the boundary of the garden, where free from ceremonial restraint, and near the object of his affection, he experienced for the first few moments a joy as exquisite as her presence could have inspired but this delight faded with its novelty, and in a short time he felt as forlorn as if he was separated forever from Elena, in whose presence he but lately almost believed himself. The night was far advanced, and no light appearing from the house, he concluded the inhabitants had retired to rest, and all hope of seeing her vanished from his mind. Still, however, it was sweet to be near her, and he anxiously sought to gain admittance to the gardens that he might approach the window where it was possible she reposed the boundary formed of trees and thick shrubs was not difficult to be passed and he found himself once more in the portico of the villa it was nearly midnight and the stillness that reigned was rather soothed than interrupted by the gentle dashing of the waters of the bay below and by the hollow murmurs of vesuvius which threw up at intervals its sudden flame on the horizon and then left it to darkness the solemnity of the scene accorded with the temper of his mind and he listened in deep attention for the returning sounds which broke upon the ear like distant thunder muttering imperfectly from the clouds the pauses of silence that succeeded each groan of the mountain when expectation listened for the rising sound affected the imagination of Vivaldi at this time with particular awe and wrapped in thought he continued to gaze upon the sublime and shadowy outlines of the shores and on the sea just discerned beneath the twilight of a cloudless sky along its gray surface many vessels were pursuing their silent course guided over the deep waters only by the polar star which burned with a steady lustre the air was calm and rose from the bay with most balmy and refreshing coolness it scarcely stirred the heads of the broad pines that overspread the villa and bore no sounds but of the waves and the groans of the far-off mountain till a chaunting of deep voices swelled from a distance The solemn character of the strain engaged his attention. He perceived that it was a requiem, and he endeavored to discover from what quarter it came. It advanced, though distantly, and then passed away on the air. The circumstance struck him. He knew it was unusual in some parts of Italy to chaunt this strain over the bed of the dying, but here the mourners seemed to walk the earth or the air he was not doubtful as to the strain itself once before he had heard it and attended to the circumstances which made it impossible that he should ever forget it and now as he listened to the choral voices softening in the distance a few pathetic notes brought full upon his remembrance the divine melody he had heard elena utter in the church of san lorenzo overcome by the recollection he started away and wandering over the garden reached another side of the villa where he soon heard the voice of elena herself performing the midnight hymn to the virgin and accompanied by a lute which she touched with most affecting and delicate expression he stood for a moment entranced and scarcely daring to breathe lest he should lose any note of that meek and holy strain which seemed to flow from a devotion almost saintly then looking around to discover the object of his admiration a light issuing from among the bowery foliage of the clematis led him to a lattice and shewed him elena the lattice had been thrown open to admit the cool air and he had a full view of her and the apartment she was rising from a small altar where she had concluded the service the glow of devotion was still upon her countenance and she raised her eyes and with a rapt earnestness fixed them on the heavens she still held the lute, but no longer awakened it, and seemed lost to every surrounding object. Her fine hair was negligently bound up in a silk net, and some tresses that had escaped it played on her neck and round her beautiful countenance, which now was not even partially concealed by a veil. The light drapery of her vest, her whole figure, air, and attitude were such as might have been copied for a Grecian nymph. Vivaldi was perplexed and agitated between the wish of seizing an opportunity which might never again occur of pleading his love and the fear of offending by intruding upon her retirement at so sacred an hour, but, while he thus hesitated, he heard her sigh, and then, with a sweetness peculiar to her accent, pronounce his name. During the trembling anxiety with which he listened to what might follow this mention of his name... He disturbed the clematis that surrounded the lattice, and she turned her eyes towards the window. But Vivaldi was entirely concealed by the foliage. She, however, rose to close the lattice, as she approached which, Vivaldi, unable any longer to command himself, appeared before her. She stood fixed for an instant, while her countenance changed to an ashy paleness, and then, with trembling haste closing the lattice, quitted the apartment. Vivaldi felt as if all his hopes had vanished with her. After lingering in the garden for some time without perceiving a light in any other part of the building, or hearing a sound proceed from it, he took his melancholy way to Naples. He now began to ask himself some questions, which he ought to have urged before, and to inquire wherefore he sought the dangerous pleasure of seeing Elena, since her family was of such a condition as rendered the consent of his parent to a marriage with her unattainable. He was lost in reverie on this subject, sometimes half-resolved to seek her no more, and then shrinking from a conduct which seemed to strike him with the force of despair, when, as he emerged from the dark arch of a ruin that extended over the road, his steps were crossed by a person in the habit of a monk, whose face was shrouded by his cowl still more than by the twilight. The stranger addressing him by his name said, Senor, your steps are watched beware how you revisit Altieri. Having uttered this, he disappeared before Vivaldi could return the sword he had half drawn into the scabbard, or demand an explanation of the words he had heard. He called loudly and repeatedly, conjuring the unknown person to appear, and lingered near the spot for a considerable time, but the vision came no more. Vivaldi arrived at home with a mind occupied by this incident, and tormented by the jealousy to which it gave rise, for, after indulging various conjectures, he concluded with believing the notice of which he had been warned to be that of a rival, and that the danger which menaced him was from the poniard of jealousy. This belief discovered to him at once the extent of his passion, and of the imprudence which had thus readily admitted it yet so far was this new prudence from overcoming his error that stung with a torture more exquisite than he had ever known he resolved at every event to declare his love and sue for the hand of elena unhappy young man he knew not the fatal error into which passion was precipitating him on his arrival at the vivaldi palace he learned that the marchesa had observed his absence had repeatedly inquired for him and had given orders that the time of his return should be mentioned to her. She had, however, retired to rest, but the Marquise, who had attended the king on an excursion to one of the royal villas on the bay, returned home soon after Vincenzo, and before he had withdrawn to his apartment, he met his son with looks of unusual displeasure, but avoided saying anything, which either explained or alluded to the subject of it and after a short conversation they separated vivaldi shut himself in his apartment to deliberate if that may deserve the name of deliberation in which a conflict of passions rather than an exertion of judgment prevailed for several hours he traversed his suite of rooms alternatively tortured by the remembrance of elena fired with jealousy and alarmed for the consequence of the imprudent step which he was about to take he knew the temper of his father, and some traits of the character of his mother, sufficiently to fear that their displeasure would be irreconcilable concerning the marriage he medicated. Yet, when he considered that he was their only son, he was inclined to admit a hope of forgiveness notwithstanding the weight which the circumstance must add to their disappointment. These reflections were frequently interrupted by fears lest Elena had already disposed of her affections to this imaginary rival." he was however somewhat consoled by remembering the sigh she had uttered and the tenderness with which she had immediately pronounced his name yet even if she were not averse to his suit how could he solicit her hand and hope it be given to him when he should declare that this must be in secret he scarcely dared to believe that she would condescend to enter a family who disdained to receive her and again despondency overcame him The morning found him as distracted as the night had left him his determination however was fixed and this was to sacrifice what he now considered as a delusive pride of birth to a choice which he believed would ensure the happiness of his life but before he ventured to declare himself to elena it appeared necessary to ascertain whether she held an interest in her heart or whether she had devoted it to the rival of his love and who this rival really was it was so much easier to wish for such information than to obtain it that after forming a thousand projects either the delicacy of his respect for elena or his fear of offending her or an apprehension of discovery from his family before he had secured an interest in her affections constantly opposed his views of enquiry in this difficulty he opened his heart to a friend who had long possessed his confidence, and whose advice he solicited with somewhat more anxiety and sincerity than is usual on such occasions. It was not a sanction of his own opinion that he required, but the impartial judgment of another mind. Bonarmo, however little he might be qualified for the office of an adviser, did not scruple his advice. As a means of judging whether Eleanor was disposed to favor Vivaldi's addresses, he proposed that, according to the custom of the country, a serenade should be given. He maintained that, if she was not disinclined towards him, some sign of approbation would appear, and, if otherwise, that she would remain silent and invisible. Vivaldi objected to this coarse and inadequate mode of expressing a love so sacred as his, and he had too lofty an opinion of Elena's mind and delicacy to believe that the trifling homage of his serenade would either flatter her self-love or interest her in his favor, nor, if it did, could he venture to believe that she would display any sign of approbation. End of Part 1 of Chapter 1 of The Italian Reading by Marty Chris.